Okay, we're learning Daf Mem Aleph. We're starting right from the top from the Mishnah. So there are different payments that we're talking about for Onus and Mephata. There's the 50 silver coins. The 50 silver coins is a knas, it's a penalty. Penalty means that you're not paying in commensurate necessarily for the amount of the damages. That's not what it's about. It's about a fine. It's a set amount that happens if a person uh, has the circumstance of Onus and Mephata. And in addition to that, we have Boshes Upagam, the depreciation of the Nara for her losing her Basula. And we have the boshes that we're paying, um, which is, again, a sense of monetary payments. So the big difference, the Mishnah says, Omer, Petitius, Pito, Shoploni. Somebody comes out and he makes a declaration. He just says, no one compelled him, no witnesses. He just says out of the blue. He admits, I was Mafata, the daughter of so-and-so. So he's being moda. He's admitting himself. So what is the, what is the halacha? If a person admits that he owes a monetary claim, then you have to pay if you admit that you owe somebody else money, you have to pay. It's as if there are a hundred witnesses who are saying that. But what's the other halacha? If you admit that you owe somebody else a fine, something that's not monetary payments, then you're exempt. And this is a halacha which is derived at great length in Masechah's Baba Kama. So our mission is just going to piggyback on that idea. So what are the different damages? So if somebody admitted that he seduced so-and-so's daughters from Shambo, so he does have to pay for the humiliation and the depreciation because that's mama. That's a sense of monetary payments. But he doesn't pay the 50 silver coins for the knas because the 50 silver coins are knas, knas, potter. The boshes of agam is mamon, mod of mamon is chayav. A similar example here, we go on a tangent. Omar Ganati, somebody admits that I stole money. So what are the halacha? So if somebody stole, they pay, and it's either a thief, they also add double, that's called kefel. And if in addition, they slaughter, and st- or st- they, they slaughter or sell the ox or something that they stole, then they pay four or five times that amount. So the principle, that's damages, right? You just, you stole, you pay back. But the double, or the four or five, those are all kanats. So somebody's admitting that he stole, so he's gonna pay, he's gonna pay the principal amount, he'll pay back the amount that he stole based upon his own odah. But he doesn't pay the double or the four or five time payments because again, that's a kanas. Motive kanas is potter. Another example, Hamis Shori Esploni. Somebody says, he admits that my ox killed so and so. So what is the halacha? If somebody's ox, somebody's animal, somebody's property kills another Jew, what's the halacha? So it's either Misa Bidei Shamayim. The Torah says that really like you're guilty, you're so guilty to that that a person would die prematurely. But to get out of that, you could redeem yourself. You could pay kofar. In kofar, you shas love, you could get out of it. So if somebody here is admitting that, uh, and kofar is a machlokas, do you pay the value of the victim or do you pay your own value? That's a dispute on machlokas atanah. But either way, a person who is admitting that his ox killed so-and-so, or he admits that his ox killed somebody else's ox, so therefore he has to pay back for the ox, and those two cases are Misham Piyatsmo, he does pay. Because that halacha, the halacha of kofer, and the halacha of paying the damages for killing somebody else's ox, in both of those cases, our Mishnah seems to be saying that it's mamun, it's not a knas. Now Rashi implies that kofer, it's not so simple that kofer is mamun, right? Our Mishnah holds kofer is mamun, you could say that maybe kofer it should be a knas, because really what it is, it's coming to do, it's coming to atone for you, really your chayev, for Misa Shamayim, and you're just, you're paying your way out of it, you're redeeming it by paying your value. Rashi implies that our Mishnah is not unanimous, and our Mishnah may only be going like the opinion that you pay you pay the victim's value, in which case the kofar is more like a monetary payment, more so than a fine. 
And in another case, somebody who admits my ox killed so-and-so's slave. Now there's a different halacha. If your ox kills somebody else's slave, then what's the law? No matter what the value of the slave is, you always pay 30 silver coins. So that's a classic example of a fine. It's not commensurate with the damages, that's just a fine. So somebody says, my ox, my, my ox killed so-and-so's slave. He doesn't pay based on his own admission. So Zachlaw, what's the rule? Meaning the mission is now trying to summarize. How do we know when is something a knas and when is something mammon? In our mission, it's a big difference if you admit to it by yourself. Your are if it's a knas, your chayv is a mammon. How do we know if it's mammon or knas? The answer is, Whenever you're paying more than the damages, then you know it's a fine. And if it's a fine, you don't pay based upon your own admission. And if you follow that rule, then everything's good. 30 silver coins for the evid. It's conceivable the evid is worth less than 30 silver coins. Therefore, that's a knas. Somebody's paying the double from, from stealing. That's more, than he, that's more than the damages. So that's a knas. In our case, the 50 silver coins, that's more than the damages could be. So therefore, you're not paying. Masha'inkin, the boshes, the pagam, the principal, the, the payments for, 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 for somebody else's ox. All those examples are things that are commensurate with the damages. If it's equal to the damages, that's mamon. So now the Gemara analyzes, why did the Mishnah say that the person admitted, I seduced so-and-so's daughter? Why did the Tana teach in a case where the guy says, I admit that I raped the daughter of so-and-so? There also, there's the 50 silver coins in the Boches of Agam. Why speak about the case of Mephata as opposed to the case of Ones? So the Gemara answers, Lomi Baikama. The Mishnah is saying this and, not, and, 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 and it's not necessary to say that. Lomi Baikama is not necessary to say the case where there was Ones. Why is it not necessary to say you're not saying anything bad about the girl's reputation. In other words, we're going to bring in an entirely new variable. You're, you admit that you seduce so-and-so's daughter. You're also spreading bad rumors about her, if you think about it. Because you're saying she admitted to, to me, she, she agreed to sleep with me willingly. So what you're basically saying is that this girl is not the best girl around town. And you're tainting her reputation and it might mess her up in the future. So in the case where you say Anasni, you're not doing that. Because you're just saying, I'm the worst guy of all time. I raped this girl. This girl's an innocent victim. So if, if you would just say Ones, of course we should believe you. You're not saying anything bad about her. You're just admitting your own, your own fault. Of course there the law would be you pay. Of course over there you're going to pay the Boshes the humiliation and depreciation based on your own admission. But in the case where you say, you admit that you seduce so-and-so's daughter, where you're implicating her as well, to Kapagam law, you're discrediting her. Then I would say, you don't, even, you don't pay the Boshes Begam, because if the court's gonna say he has to pay Boshes Begam, it's kind of, kind of people, it's, people are gonna say, oh, clearly this girl is not a good girl. So they, I would say that based in Vidafka should not make him pay so that people won't say bad things about the girl. Kamash Malan, the Mishnah informs us that it's not true, even if it's a case of seduction, where based upon your admission, people might say that the girl's a bad reputation, we still say, if you admit that you seduced her, then you pay the Bosha Supergam. Continues the Gemara that actually not everybody agrees to this. Our Mishnah is not in accordance to this time. When a guy says, I, I, I seduce so-and-so, he does not pay the Boshes Upagam. It is not his, in his capacity. That you should discredit so-and-so's daughter. Meaning that's exactly the point. The point is, even though he's admitting it, this Tana holds, we can't make him pay because if he pays, then people are going to validate what he's saying and say bad things about the girl. And therefore we dismiss his claims and so that people will say, oh, this guy was just running his mouth, but it was no validity to what he said. What if the girl wants the money? Meaning sometimes your reputation is one thing, but money speaks louder, right? So what if the girl says, I actually want his money? 
So it's worth it for my ta- reputation to be tarnished in order to receive the money from the Boshas of Agam. Then would the court accept the admission? So the court says, yeah, but who says the father wants it? Remember, the payments aren't only to her. The payment primarily to the recipient of the payment is the father. So the Gemara says, what if the father wants it? Right? He doesn't care about his daughter's reputation. He wants the money. Says the Gemara, but it might hurt other people in the family. So in other words, even though we're not paying them, it's interesting, we're not paying them, we're paying the father, but it's still not right to indirectly do something that may hurt the rest of the family's reputation. It reflects on all of the family. Says the Gemara, what if the family comes to a consensus that we'd rather get the money and care about our reputation. Says the It's impossible that there's at least one family member out there somewhere in the world that is not acceptable to. There's always that one cousin who's embarrassed by the story. So therefore, according to this Tana, whenever the seducer is admitting that he uh, seduced the girl, we, we do not accept his admission because then it would discredit the girl and rather we, we dismiss it completely. So again, our Mishnah did not hold like that. Our Mishnah held... Someone who said, I seduced so-and-so's daughter, he does pay the Boshas of Agam. Vistana does not agree with the teaching of our Mishnah. All right, now we get into a tangent over here. This is really a whole sugim. If you learn Baba Kama, you'll see that the entire sugim we're about to learn, Mamish word for word, is all there in Baba Kama. So the Mishnah spoke about the case of someone admitting he stole, and we say he pays back the principal, but he doesn't pay back the double amount because that's a kanah. So itmar, palganizka. How do we understand the concept of paying half damages? So when do you pay half damages? So normally, if your ox does a type of damage to another person's property, you pay full damages. That's called ragel. If it's normal, pay ragel. Shane, if it's done for benefit, that's it. Also, you pay full amount. But here, there's a unique halacha that when it's karen, you pay half. What's karen? So karen is described by certain acts which, 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 which are specific to the animal's behavior, which you wouldn't think it's going to do in a regular routine. So the classic example would be a gourd. Goring is not something an animal would do in its regular routine, meaning regal and chain is just like subconscious the animal. As it's walking, its foot kicks somebody. That's just, uh, well, kicking might be a little bit better of example. I'm sorry, kicking might be a little bit more like a carrot. But it just hit something with its foot. It was just normal, it stepped on something. That's regal, it's normal. It ate a fruit that was in front of it. That's normal, that's just what oxen do in its regular course of walking. But when I speak about Karen, the ox goes out of its way and tries to damage by goring something or goes out of its way to specifically kick something or bite something like that, that's more of a Karen activity. The Torah says the first three times that the ox does it, it pays only half damages. So the question is, how do we understand that? It's compensation. The Torah says you deserve really to pay all of it. But we'll let you get off the hook for half. We'll see why. But the half that you are paying is mamun. You owe that. It's commensurate to, to what you did. You damaged. You damaged that. You have to pay. No, the opposite. Really, you should get off the hook completely. It wasn't supposed to happen. It's a fine that the Torah says that you should pay half of it. What's going to be the big nafkamina if you admit to it by yourself? If palganizka is mamon, so if you admit to it, then you have to pay. But if palganizka is a knas, then if you admit to it, you don't have to pay. So the Gemara explains the basis here. A regular ox is not considered to be guarded from doing these types of activities. Meaning, maybe it's not so normal for it to bite, to gore, to, to, to kick. But it's, still, so, 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 but it's still not considered guarded with that. Meaning, just because it's less normal, it's not frequent, it's not in its regular routine, but it still happens from time to time. And therefore, you, as the owner, have to expect that it may occur. I, it's not what it normally does in its routine, but it still could occur. It's not considered a guarded from it. 
Therefore, the, own, the ox's owner should really be paying all the damages because he didn't watch his ox properly from something that it could have done. So really, he should pay everything. And the dean of the Torah just had mercy on him and said, only pay half. He hadn't been worn yet. Meaning, <coughs> even though he wasn't, it wasn't guarded from him, and it happens from time to time, but it's still infrequent that it happens. And, still, and since it's infrequent that it happens, we don't punish him for the full amount of damage that he did. But the half that he is paying, he 100%, he owes. If anything, he should really be paying everything. He should be getting off the hook from half. The idea is that since it happens infrequently, so it's considered a total anomaly for it to go out of its way and damage something. I don't have to expect, I don't have, as an owner of an ox, I don't have to think about that possibility happening. And the infrequency kind of proves that it's not what an ox does. So if it's not what an ox does, I don't have to be on watch for that. If I don't have to be on watch for that, so why am I liable at all? Remember, the only reason as an ox, as owner, that you're responsible when your ox does damage is because you should have guarded it. But what do you mean I should have guarded it? It's in a state of guarded from doing such a thing. It's an anomaly that it ended up happening. For We have to understand that it's a penalty. It's a penalty. We want him to guard his ox even more. In other words, the Torah is trying to guard you, is trying to encourage extra the extra guardings of an owner, even the things that it's considered guarded from. And that's a fine. That's a penalty. That's not something that's me'ikra'adim. So now, again, we're going to try to understand what the nafkemina of the dispute is, whether palganizka is mamon or palganizka is kinah. So to now, first we introduce a Mishnah on Baba Kama. The language of the Mishnah is very cryptic. The Mishnah says, that when the, image, when the, when the ox gored or whatever it did, both the damaged party and the damager are both involved in paying. So that's a strange thing, right? Obviously, only the mazik pays. The nizik just takes payment. What does it mean that the nizik is involved in the payment? So, if you say that really he should be paying everything and he's just getting off the hook from half, now we can understand. That's what it means, that the damaged victim is involved in the payment. It's as if he's paying half, because really he deserves to get be compensated for everything. He's involved in the payment that he's only taking half as opposed to the other half which he is not taking, even though practically he's not paying anything. But that's what the Mishnah is referencing. The Mishnah is referencing he's involved in the payment in the sense that he's not collecting on everything which essentially he deserves. But I like the opinion that it's really just a fine. What do you mean the damaged party is involved? He's even taking which, that which is not his. Meaning the Torah was nice to give him the penalty and impose a fine on the owner of the ox, which wasn't even so deserved. You're saying that the victim, it's like he's involved in the payment. He's not involved in anything. So the Gemara says, The Mishnah is referring to a new halacha about what happens if the carcass depreciates. So let's understand what happens. Every single time that there are damages, right? So my ox kills, gores and kills somebody else's ox. How much is the damages? So because the reason what we're saying is that how do, how do you assess it? Afterwards, you have a carcass. And a carcass is value. Tremendous value on the market. You can sell. There's hides. There's nevela meat, whatever, so on and so forth. So it's not just the value of an ox because the nizak is left with the value of his carcass. So how do I assess it? So there's a very unique halacha. The halacha is, is that you assess it, what is the, the, the discrepancy between the ox at the time it was alive and, and the time that it immediately died. But what happens is there could be a long depreciation in the value of the carcass from the time of immediate death until we deal with the court case. 
And all of that depreciation, who has to bear that? The Nizak. The Nizak only reserves, receives damages based upon the discrepancy in his value of an ox when, it, when of his ox when it was alive and its time at immediate death. Afterwards, it's up to him to deal with the Nevela. He has to run, go sell it, make sure the meat doesn't rot. And if he doesn't do that, he bears the loss. So let's say you, we keep on saying you pay half the damages. Let's say the difference in the value of a live ox and the, and the ox on the, on the scene, as soon as it immediately was killed, is, is, is $100. Let's say that's the difference. He's owed $50. I, by the time he's brought to court, the, the, that, 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 that mushroom, the, now the discrepancy is $200, it doesn't matter. He only pays for the damages and the discrepancy between what it was alive and what it was immediately in the time of the damage. That's what the Mishnah is referencing. The Nizak is involved in the damage. All of the burden of dealing with the carcass and making sure you get the best price, so on and so forth, that happens, that's all in the Nizak to do. He should run to the scene, get his thing, and take care of it and sell it right away. That's what we mean, that he's involved in the damages for the depreciation of the carcass. So even the half that he does receive, maybe it is a penalty, but it's only half of the discrepancy between what it was when it was alive and what it was immediately at the time of death. You're saying the Mishnah is referencing the dinner of Tanina, that's in a different part of the Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say? Tashlume Nezek. It says that the damager is liable to pay Tashlume Nezek. And the Gemara there points out, and Baba Kama teaches us, you only pay for the damage. You don't have to pay for the carcass. The carcass is all on the Nizak to deal with. So basically what we're saying is that the Mishnah is redundant because it already spoke about this concept of Pachas Nevela, that the Nizak deals with the carcass, and that it's any, any further uh, rotting or whatever that takes place is not the responsibility of the Mazak. So why do I need the Mishnah to say it again? So the Gemara says, The Mishnah is telling us that both by a Tam, where the animal was not warned, and whether it was a mood, and it was warned in both cases, the carcass is the responsibility of the Nizak. It's necessary to tell it to me by both. If you only taught me by Tom, I would say, There, we, we say that dealing with the carcass is on the Nizak because the animal that gored hadn't yet been warned. So therefore, we're lenient for the owner of the ox that gored, and we say you don't have to deal with the, with the carcass. Rather, the carcass has to be dealt with by the Nizak. But in the case of Mu'ad, where it was already warned, so I would say, you take care of everything, Mr. Mazik. You were really negligent here. Aim Allah. If I only told you Mu'ad, I would say like this. Since I'm paying full damages, therefore it's on you to take care of the carcass. If I'm paying everything, at least you take care of the carcass. If it's a Tom, then I would say, we don't apply the leniency. So therefore, Tzricha, both of the, of the teachings were necessary to say, no, the responsibility of the, of the carcass is on the Nizak, and then both that was the point of the Mishnah. So we don't have a proof one way or the other whether uh, Palganiska is Mamun or it's Kenas. Continues the Gemara Tashma. Let's bring another proof. There's a Mishnah here, Baba Kama. What's the difference between Tam and Muad? Tam pays half damages only from the body of the animal. What does that mean? You only pay from half from the body of the animal. You never pay damages that exceed the value of the attacking animal. It's an interesting concept. In other words, even if let's say the animal that got gored. The victim as the animal was worth a lot more, so the damages are incurred were a lot much more than the value of the attacking animal. But you never pay more than half damages that are more than the value of the attacking animal. That's the law in Tom. Muad Misham Nazak Shalaman Aliyah. Muad pays full damages and it's been Aliyah from whatever somebody's most best property they have, meaning there's no the sky is the limit, whatever the damages are. That's the difference. Velokadani, the Mishnah does not say that there's another difference. By Tom, you don't have to pay if you admit to it because it's a kanas. Muad, you have to pay if you admit to it because it's mumun. How come the, the Mishnah doesn't say that? Must be because it's not true. Even if you admit to Tom, you are, 
you are chayav because it is mamon. So therefore, we have a proof. Palganiska is mamon because if palganiska is knas, the Mishnah should have highlighted that difference. Says the Gemara, Tana Vishayah. This is an interesting thing. Sometimes the Tana said one example and he left out he, others. He didn't say every single example out there of the differences between Tam and Muad. Says the Gemara, you can't just say that without showing me other things he left out. My Shire, thy Shire. What else did he leave out that now we could say it's good that he left this one out? If he admitted other things, you could say this, add this to the list. So the Gemara says, Shire, Chatzi, Kofer. He left out the law of half Kofer. What does that mean, half Kofer? So when a muad animal gores another person, what's the law? You pay kofer, you pay the value. What happens if your tam ox kills somebody? Do you pay half kofer? So it seems that we're saying um, you don't even pay half. You don't pay anything. The whole din of kofer is only to a muad. So how come the Mishnah didn't point that out? That by a tam, you don't even pay half kofer. You're totally putter. If it killed somebody, you don't pay anything. Mashiach in a muad that killed somebody, you pay kofer. So it left it out. Ah, it left that out. It left out the discrepancy of paying based upon your own admission. Says the Gemara, Yimishim Chatzikofer. If that's your thing that it left out, Lav Shiu, it's not leaving anything out. Top of the Amid Beis, Hamani Rebbe Yisrael Glili. We're going like Rebbe Yisrael Glili. The Amar Tam Hashem Chatzikofer. He actually disagrees with the point, the premise we just had. Rebbe Yisrael Glili holds that a Tam animal that kills a human, other human being, the owner does pay half Kofer. So it's not a discrepancy. Kofer is not a discrepancy between Tam, Tam, and Muad. Both Tam and Muad do pay Kofer. Tam in the half form, Muad in the full form. That's reflected in what the Mishnah said. So therefore, after all is said and done, we're not so sure if we have a proof one way or the other. The Mishnah did not highlight a difference between Tam and Muad, whether or not you pay from your own admission. But we could say it was left out. We don't necessarily have a proof that it was other things were left out, but we could say that it was. All right, so we continue. Tashma, it says, from our Mishnah, if somebody admits my ox killed so-and-so, or somebody admits my ox killed so-and-so's ox. What's the law? He does pay. Why? Because it's mamun. So my labatam, presumably the Mishnah is talking about a tam, and you're admitting that you owe half damages, and we see that it's mamun, and that's why you have to pay. So the Gemara says, low, but muad. That's not a proof. The Mishnah could be talking about that you admit that your shar muad killed somebody else's ox, and, uh, and that's why you're paying full damages, which certainly is mamun. Says the Gemara of Abutamai. But what are you saying? The Mishnah is only talking about Buat. But if it would be a Tam, then what would be the Allah? You wouldn't pay based on your own admission because it's a Knas. So then what about the Seifa? Adetani Seifa. The Seifa moved on to say, but if you admit that your ox killed somebody else's slave, you don't pay because that's a knas. Why did you have to run to a case of a slave? Let the Mishnah make a sharper chilek in the same case that we're talking about. Even where you admit that your ox killed somebody else's ox. This that you have to pay, it's only if it's a muad because it's mamun. If your ox would have been a tam, so basically, from the fact that the mission didn't make the sharper chilek and distinguish between tam and muad, what do we see? We see that it must be that a mission is even talking about tam, and it's still saying you pay al piatzmo because it is mamon. Says the Gemara, no, simple. The Mishnah didn't want to make that chilek. The Mishnah was talking about a muad ox. This is sometimes a style of a tana. We're not going to make a chilek in the type of ox we're dealing with. We're talking about a muad. So in a muad, whenever it kills somebody else, somebody else's ox, then you will be chayev, that's mamon. But if it killed somebody else's slave, then it would be a knas. Then if you'd be moda, you'd be pater. Says the Gemara, Tashma, what was the language of the Mishnah? What was the Mishnah defined knas? What is the definition of knas? Whenever you pay more than the damages, then you don't pay based upon your own admission. So the Mishnah seemed to say, what is the definition of knas paying more? It's mashma, if you're paying less than the value of the damages, then you do pay from your own admission. So that's exactly half damages. Half damages, you're paying less 
than the full amount of the damage. So what do I see? I see that it's considered damages, not knas. Because our Mishnah defines knas as paying more than the damages, like the 50 silver coins or the 30 silver coins for the slave. But in the case of Palga Nizka, where you're paying for half the damages, it would seem from the definition of the Mishnah that that is not a knas, or rather it is mamon. You got the diakron. The, the Mishnah is not implying if you're paying less than the damages, that's mamon. The Mishnah is coming to say whenever you're paying equal to the damages, that is mamon. Meaning to say that the Mishnah is just saying whenever the damages are not equal to the dam, whenever the, the, your payments are not equal to the damages, that is knas. It doesn't make a difference if it's more or if it's less. The point is it's not equal to the, to the damages that were inflicted. Says the Gemara, if it was less, then what? You don't pay. Because, if we, like in our example, you wouldn't pay, it's a knas. So, why didn't the Mishnah reflect that in its wording? The Mishnah could have said it better. We should have said, if you're not paying equal to the damages, then you don't pay from your own admission. That would have been a better language. It would have been clearly giving us the connotation for less and more. It would have implied and something which is more than the damages is knas. So, bottom line is, what, what's going on is that we're not tolerating this defense. The Mishnah said, Kanas is when you pay more than the damages. Palgan is good, where you're paying less, it doesn't sound like it's Kanas. So you're trying to wiggle out of it, don't wiggle out of it. The language of the Mishnah clearly shows that a case where you pay less than the damages is Mamon. So the Gemara says, Tiyofta, you're right. This refutes the opinion that half damages are a penalty. We clearly see half damages are Mamon. Says the Gemara, what's the halacha? Elchaza, Palgan is Kanas. So the Gemara jumps on that, Tiyofta, Elchaza. You just tell me we prove from the language that it's what, that it's mama. And you would pay based upon your own admission. Then you tell me that the halacha is like the opinion that it's kenas. You can't refute it and then tell me the halacha is otherwise. Says the Gemara, in time of my detosif, why did you refute it? Because the language was, that the language should have been, you, that, 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 that what kenas is whenever you don't pay in accordance to what you damage. That's actually not a question. The Tana did not want to say that rule. Why? There's one exception to the rule. What are tzoros? are when an animal, animal damages and kicks pebbles as it's walking. So it's a form of regal. It's a very normal thing to happen and it happens as a part of its routine. But the halacha is you only pay half damages. Now that's an anomaly which comes from Allah Moshe Misinai. That whenever, whenever the animal damages in its regular course of routine, but it damages through its force, like it kicks a pebble and the pebble damages, as opposed to it damaging directly with its body, what is the halacha? Allah Moshe Misinai teaches the mamono. Even though it's mamon, it still only pays chatzinazah. It's a unique exception to the rule. Normally, whenever you're paying chatzin nezek, it's karen, it's an unnormal un- un- thing to happen, it's an aberration, that's chatzin nezek, and that's a knas, as we spoke about. But there's one exception to a chatzin nezek, which is not a knas. The example of tzoros, where it kicks pebbles in a normal course of routine. There, even though you pay half damages, it is mamun. And Allah Moshimusina just says you pay half. That's why the Mishnah didn't want to say the language whenever you're paying less than what you damage, whenever it's not in accordance to what you damage, then it's a knas, because that, that one exception of chatzin nezek tzoros. Therefore, the Mishnah did not speak about things that are less than damages. It only said whenever you're paying more than the damages, it's knas. But the reality is that there are times when you're paying less, and it is knas. What is the case? Regular cases of Karen. In a Hanami, those things are Knas. The reason the Mishnah didn't allude to it is because it would have gotten very confusing with the Tzoros point. So we're basically concluding that the halacha is Chetzi Nezek is Knas for Karen, and you don't pay based on your own admission, but watch out for the one exception of Tzoros, where it happens normally just through the power, 
the koach, not through the guf, there it is mamon, and you would be chayav if you admitted to it yourself. Says the Now that we pass palganiska is karen is is knas. What if a dog eats a sheep? So let's think about that. Normally, when you eat something, it's normal, and therefore it's shane, and you pay full damages. But when you think about something like that, a dog eating a sheep, that's the most abnormal thing. That's not normally what they eat. So it actually, we view it as a form of karen. It's kavanasalahazik, and we say it's, it's, it's a form of karen. Or shunur da'achotanigli, or a cat that's eating a big chicken. Also, very weird. Mishunahu, that's considered unusual, and if it's unusual... Lo magminam bavavel. We can't collect it in bavel. What's the point? We don't collect it in bavel. Knasos cannot be collected in bavel because to collect the knas, you need a court that has the smicha, the official ordination that was given only from generation to generation in Israel, and we can't use that outside of Israel. So therefore, in bavel, we would never collect carrot. That's the point. In Israel, when there's a regular thing, so the courts are able to impose fines as well. But in bavel, we don't collect on a fine. So now that we're paskening that Palganizka is Kinasa, so now that if we have these aberrations which occur eating and these weird types of activities where they're eating things that they don't eat, we say it's considered weird and we're not going to collect it in, Bav- in Bavel. To bring out the point just a little bit more, why are we picking on these examples? So Taisus learns a very lambdasha point that there's another nafkamina between Palganizka, Mamona, and Kinasa. If you think about it, Everybody agreed they don't happen as much, but the question was, are they considered like guarded from it, as we spoke about on the Ahmed Aleph. So Tosis points out like this. These cases, eating something that's not meant to be eaten, do, is it considered guarded from that or not? So if you say that goring and kicking, it's, it's considered guarded, just you have to pay anyway as a knas. So these things aren't going to be any worse than that. Because even though, you know, it's the most flukish, it's a fluke in the world that it happened, to eat a weird thing is the strangest thing. But you see that you have to pay even for aberrations. That's the idea of chatzinezek knas. But if you hold chatzinezek is mamon, no, the whole idea is that even if it doesn't happen so often, but it happens often enough for an animal to go gore that you have to pay. According to that opinion, if an animal eats a thing that it's weird for it to eat, you don't pay at all. It's like just a fluke that it happened and then you'd be off the hook. So it's only because we said Palkaniska is Knasa that these things have to pay. And the point that we're making though is, but we don't collect in Bavel because in Bavel we don't collect Knasas. Avazutra Orkayu, if it eats a small chicken, then that's considered normal for the cat to do. And therefore, it's regular shane, and it would pay full. Like, you know, we collect it in bavel. Now, the Gemara says, even though we don't collect the knas in bavel, be tafas, but if the damaged party grabs the property from, from, from the owner, in other words, it grabs the dog or the cat, it's just the, the victim is very upset, and he says, it's not fair that I'm not going to get my damages back here in bavel. So he just seizes the dog or the cat by himself. Then what's the lalom of kinamine? We don't take it away from him. Absolutely fascinating halacha. We can't impo- impose the knas by ourselves. We can't do that. We're in bavel. But if the victim goes and takes the dog or cat and holds it for payment, then we don't take it away from him. The Amr Iqbili Zimna Laaretz Yisrael. Let's say the, 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 the Nizak says to the court, let's set up a date to go to Eretz Yisrael to present the case to the court there. Then we will set up the date for him. Even though we're not going to try the case ourselves here, but we'll set up a court date for him in Israel. And if the damager doesn't go on that date, then we will excommunicate him. Continues the Gemara. The truth is, whether or not he goes to Israel or not, we're going to excommunicate the owner of the dog or the cat if he keeps it around. Why? We say to him, you should destroy 
this damaging animal, if this animal it did such a fluke thing and it ate somebody else's like sheep, it's such a weird thing, you shouldn't have it in your domain. How do we know a person shouldn't raise a vicious dog in his house? You shouldn't have a ladder which is rickety. You shouldn't keep it around. It's dangerous. There's a lot not to put a hazard in your possession. So therefore, even without us establishing a court case of going to Ares Yisrael or not, if this guy keeps the dog or cat around, we're going to be upset at him. And even that, we might be worthy of an excommunication. We'll close here for today.